Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Love that song. It's been our intro song for over 400 episodes now. If you have missed any of our shows or need to catch up, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, or you can go to iTunes and download them all for free as a free audio podcast. We also post them on our Facebook page as well, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So be sure to go and find our Facebook page, too, if you haven't already. Farm Dog Naturals, coupon code 15% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. The coupon code is DOGRADIO. One word. All caps. Not sure if the all caps matters, but that would be the safe bet. So just go to farmdognaturals.com. They have a couple of skin salves that are amazing. One of them, which is called Salvation, which is great for uh, areas that need to um, where hair needs to grow back. Sometimes that can be a tricky thing. Um, and also like uh, dry, crusty noses, bulldogs to have a tendency to have that. It's great for that. And then they have another um, salve called Restore, which is great for healing uh, wounds and also is a itch relief, too. And we just use use the heck out of those at our house with our dogs and even put it on ourselves, too. So And they have a great cleaner and other products. 15% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. Coupon code is DOGRADIO. Go to farmdognaturals.com for that one. Thanks so much to them for offering that to our fabulous listeners. Uh, Have a great show today. Actually have a follow-up conversation with a guest that I had on several shows ago and it was an unfortunate uh, situation because um, we were supposed to kind of originally planning on talking about answering questions about a new rescue uh, you know a new a newly adopted dog that was coming to the family and ended up being a pretty scary situation and um, and uh, the woman got attacked by the dog and and so we actually did the show about this about that situation and uh and Lucinda shared her story and you know it was just the point was to raise awareness about how to set yourself up when you know working with a rescue organization to adopt a dog uh what are some things to know about that and you can go back and find that episode if you'd like to look at that and Then I got uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, I got another message from Lucinda, who was the guest, and they have a new dog that they adopted, and this dog is like a dream come true. And so um, Lucinda's on the line with us again, back on the show after just a few weeks from Vermont. Uh, Now, I wonder if it's as cold there as it is here. We're kind of freaking out. It's like 38 degrees here, Lou. Oh, it's colder here. It's like 24. Yeah. My blood throw has... throw on that hat, Julie. I know, I know. It's crazy. I used to be a pretty tough with... Because uh, I, I 
went to school in Vermont and lived there for six years and used to laugh at people like me. <laughs> now I'm like, it's so cold. Uh, great day to take your dog for a walk, though. It is sunny and it is nice to see that bright sun. Now, thanks for joining us again today. And you um, now you were really um, wonderful to share with us this really scary experience, you know, that happened and, and uh, you know, really rattled you, understandably. And, um, you know, sort of, you know, kind of taking that step to, to add a four-legged family member. You have kids and, you know, you, you pull into your driveway and you have this really scary experience with this dog. And then you were brave enough to and open enough to try again. And it sounds like you have been rewarded. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think we feel like we've been rewarded. Yeah. So I think would you tell us a little bit about... Um, kind of your process first before we talk about this new guy um kind of in between you know since we talked last this thing had just happened and you were like you know just just kind of dealing with that and then you you came around again so will you talk a little bit about that yeah sure I mean I, I certainly didn't um deter me from wanting a dog it was certainly a scary experience but we wanted a dog our family we felt like that was one piece of the puzzle that was missing and we all love dogs so it certainly did not um, make me shy away from getting a dog or rescuing a dog I knew it was a very um, you know unique situation and Mm -hmm. uh, as scary as it was I did not in any way never want to love a dog again it just made me want to do it the right way this time so Mm -hmm. um, it certainly took a while for me to not think about it and it's something I still think about now but the situation that we're in now is just kind of giving me hope again I mean it's my heart is full of love for our dog now and that I'm so happy that I that I can appreciate it more I think it's you go through a situation like that and it just makes you appreciate the goodness that can come to your life mm-hmm. in unexpected ways mm-hmm. and I know one of the things that we had talked about just as kind of this topic of, you know, adopting a dog from an organization, you know, a rescue organization or shelter or whatever. And um, one of my points out of our first conversation was, um, you know, go meet the dog, meet the dog in person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw that you you got this guy from a local organization. The other one was um, a, an out-of-state organization. Is that correct? It was. The other one was out of New York City. And actually, um, just to let you know, I had received numerous phone calls from uh, the woman who came, who originally came to get the dog that night, uh, follow-up phone calls, text messages, and phone calls from another, um, I, I believe it was a law office, trying to get follow-ups with, for, you know, my thoughts and opinions about this rescue agency because mm. one of the women they were trying to actually get away from that agency uh, so obviously, I, I I honestly I left messages with what I felt like, and then I moved on because I knew I just needed to move on, mm-hmm. and knew that this time around we needed to go through something that was better. So, a uh, family member recommended that we use the this local agency. They had gotten a dog from from them, as well as other people that I had talked to, and we'd done more research. We looked it up, and it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. How did uh, you research it? 
I just looked up online. I asked other people if they'd heard of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I really did, like, we did extensive, you know, mainly online research that and found nothing terrible said about it. Mm -hmm. Yep, spoke to somebody that um, had adopted a dog and had a dog that we loved, and they just spoke very highly of, um, especially the woman that was, you know, in charge of the adoption, and just had a really good vibe from, mm -hmm. from the whole thing, and just followed through. We, it was actually a, um, a funny joke that somebody sent us a picture of their dog and that looked like their dog and said, hey, wouldn't it be fun to have a dog in your family that looked like ours? And we were like, oh my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. So we looked up the dog online and uh, just started there and filled out the application and uh, it kind of happened a little bit faster than we had expected it to, but it just felt right. I guess this time it felt right. We didn't uh, we didn't have 100% feelings the last time, but we just kept pushing through. And this time, everything just felt normal and positive and had great contact with the rescue organization uh, before we decided to foster the dog and, and meet him. And so it just, yeah, it was that, that gut instinct, I guess, is mm -hmm. what we followed. So with the first situation... Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But um, would you say that you really, you really were, had kind of a maybe an intuition or, or just an a, a, an uneasiness in your in your gut? You know, um, through the process with this first one, where there's sort of things that you look back on that you were like, oh, you know what, I I could have maybe listen to that or or was it kind of just so subtle that that no i think after we uh you know it all came about and after we thought about it for a little while we talked about it and uh both nick and i were like you know i felt that way like i felt this was made me feel uneasy or the fact that they were adamant about we couldn't meet the dog and um you know it just it it was a process that was getting dragged out and we had asked about other uh, adoptions and that they had all fallen through, but we, you know, were never given those answers. So the more we put it together after the whole process, the more we said, yeah, I definitely didn't feel comfortable with that, but, mm -hmm. you know, didn't really, like I said, we just pushed through that. But definitely now, later, after everything happened and after we really sat and thought about it, there were definitely signs that we both felt that we just kind of ignored. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, you know, partly because we really wanted to have a dog and we wanted to have a positive experience. Mm -hmm. So, no, definitely, like, I think this time around, if I had felt a negative feeling in my gut, I definitely would have <laughs> spoken up and been like, whoa, yeah. you know what? I just can't go there. Yeah. Yeah. But never got that. Never. And, yeah. um, and following our gut has helped us fill our heart. And it's amazing. He is an amazing dog. Cool. So what, um, so you went and, you know, met him and I know you, you brought your kids with you this, t you know, so you had yeah. kind of an initial meeting before you brought him home. Well, no. So that's, that's what's interesting is we went to meet, well, we went to uh, meet him and um, we surprised the boys and saying that we were going to meet a dog and we ended up taking him home that night. Mm -hmm. He was just, that was, it was like that instant feeling of, uh, he just fit with all of us. He was sweet and kind and cuddly and 
we just uh, we just felt it felt right, and um, so we put him in the car and we brought him home and we again trusted our gut and it turned out really well. And the woman that you know that it's it's kind of honestly it's chaotic. I never knew what it was going to be like, but you literally pull into this police station parking lot and there's a box truck with a whole bunch of dogs and they're all you know coming off of traveling and uh, chaos goes to complete control and organization and dogs going home with families and uh, the rescue volunteers just being helpful and kind and so we took him home that night we went and got him and took him home and uh, said that we would foster him for a little while and we're still fostering we haven't officially adopted because yeah. Uh, but we just want that time sure. to make sure, and and all signs point to yes. But you know, it's also not something that you want to rush for your family or or the dog. Yeah. So you had you had the opportunity to hang out with him before you took. Yeah. Him home. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is important, and it's hard because you know it's there's so much that goes on online, and uh, you know, there people see these pictures of dogs, and they fall in love with the picture, and then dogs get shipped. Literally, I mean, shipped from, you know, Texas or Southern California or where, you know, even Eastern Washington, even in our case. And um, you don't you don't know what you're going to get. But then at the same time, it's like, well, how do we how do we give these dogs who need homes access to, you know, in our situation, uh, more of a larger population like Seattle, you know, bringing these dogs, there's sort of a necessity of transport. How do we do that in a way that uh, sets everybody up for success? And and it seems like in some situations, um, well-intentioned and in a lot of cases, emotionally attached adopters are taken advantage of, I think, by rescue groups, some rescue groups. And um, because they just they are just wanting to get these dogs, you know, into homes, get these dogs into homes. And it's a little reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's not just rescues. I mean, this is something that, you know, and I mentioned this in our first conversation. There's a book called The Dog Merchants. And I interviewed the author, Kim Cavan, uh, several months ago now, maybe. And uh, it's probably one of the most important books that I have or one of the most important topics and books that I've um you know, spent a show on because it talks about this whole world of or this whole industry of of dogs and really looking at dogs as a product, which is the reality of it. Of course, they're not they're not uh, things. They're dogs. And if anyone knows that, I do. Um, or if anyone believes that, I should say I do, that they deserve to be treated as sentient beings and have a full, rich emotional experience and uh, capable of suffering and sensitivity and all that kind of stuff. But but the reality of how it's run is that it's an industry. They're a product. And there's breeders and there's rescue organizations, and both are capable of profiting. And it's not bad to profit, but we've got to treat this like anything else and really be um, educated as consumers. And to have a way to report these breeders and rescue organizations who are shady, you know, not not uh you know keeping dogs in horrible conditions or uh adopting out dogs who are known to be dangerous to unsuspecting people you know these people we have to have a way to keep track of these people so that 
when somebody is, you know, in the market and ready to add to the family, that there's a way to go kind of like a Yelp, you know, like a, a way to look at reviews. And so Kim Cavan has built a website, um, dogmerchants.com, and it's a place for people to go and write reviews on, you know, both both positive and negative about both breeders and rescue groups because we're all in the same boat together, you know, so... So it's it's just wonderful. So tell us about this this new dog. What's his name? You know, what's he like? You see, you guys his see name him is like Scout. Yeah, he is. Um, they believe he's a Dane uh, Lab mix. Mm-hmm. I think we think he has some pointer in him, just because of the way he points when he's in the fields. And mm-hmm. um, he's about five months old. Oh, he's he, a baby. He's a baby, uh, but my goodness, he listens like he is, he listens well. He just has so much love and I, I don't, I don't even know how to explain him. He just has that, that look to him that, um, when he's cuddly and, and just loves being around people and no matter who, where we have him around, who meets him, the instant feel is oh my gosh he's such a good dog and that's just from like literally looking at him and petting him and just having him kind of lean into their leg or and I think that was the first experience that we when we met him we were all kneeling down and he just walked over to Hayden our oldest and just kind of like put his head into his belly and I was like what this is and it was just so sweet it was just this great feeling and that that's how he is he just he loves people he loves to show affection um, but at, at such a young age, he's so well behaved already, like listens well, obviously, you know, like any toddler pushes the limits when he wants to, but, um, he's just great, Julie. I just, I can't say enough about him. I feel so, we, we all feel so lucky. Um, you know, he, he comes to work with us and people love him and he just sits in the office and it's just, it's very, a uh, very cool situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't even I don't I don't even know what else to say. Mm-hmm. I ha- I talk about him and I have a huge smile on my face. Yeah. My cheeks hurt from thinking about him. Cool. So the original when we first, you know, before the the first experience happened, we we had set up like you were like, "Oh, we're getting a dog." And it was like, "Okay." Um and we set up the original interview, which ended up being a show about something else, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but the original intention was to answer uh, some questions that you may have about a newly, you know, newly adopted dog. And it sounds like this guy is, is as far as dogs go, pretty easy, at least so far. How long have you had him? Three weeks. Okay. Um, so long enough to, you know, um, see him gaining comfort, but not long enough to know that that's, you know... Um, solid you know what I mean like it's it's I I feel like it's still it's like bringing a baby home or bringing any you know it's it's all new it's Mm -hmm. he's getting to know us still and we're getting to know him and he's getting to know our neighbors and our our cat and our you know it's it's a whole big piece that we want to make sure is is right and and like I said we have no no signs point to that it's not perfect Mm um gosh he's just yeah like I said he brings a smile to everybody's face I couldn't to go from the situation that I was in a few months ago to this, I feel as though he's got little angel wings on him, and mm-hmm. he was 
he has restored faith in me with in in regards to dogs. Yeah. Have you noticed him change in the three weeks you've had him? Like start start doing things that he didn't do before, or you know? Uh, yes, absolutely. The mm-hmm. first few days that we had him, he was very quiet, very reserved. Um, you know, kind of kept his ears down and kind of not slinked around the house, but was just very timid. I would mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you know, getting I think getting to know us. Um, and I would say three days in, it was as though I think the conversation that we had was he was cuddling with us and he just looked up at both of us and it was like this look of, oh, these people are going to love me and I don't have to go anywhere else. I'm, I'm here. And, and it was the next day that was the first day that he chewed something. <laughs> um, and the first day that when you asked him to come, he didn't really like, he kind of looked at you out of the corner of his eye and was like, Oh, I'm going to see if I can push my limits. Uh-huh. So that lasted just a couple of days, like definitely, you know, pushing the boundaries, but which was nothing that was terrible. It was just, you know, um, he liked, he grabbed our shoe, one shoe and, uh, didn't really do any damage. He chewed a little bit of the lace, but after that one, like he would just take a shoe and put it kind of in front of his, his crate and, um, just almost like, Hey, I'm still here. You still here kind of is how it came across. And he still, he, he loves to chew things, but we have given him lots of toys and other things, rawhides to chew on, which keeps him happy. But he's much more in the three weeks that we've had him, he's gone from this reserved little like, hmm, what timid kind of dog to, um, confident in a positive way of, hey, here I am and giving us his personality of love mm-hmm. and he's funny. He's a funny dog. He smiles. Like mm-hmm. he definitely has that like lower smile mm-hmm. when he is happy. Yeah, it's real common that dogs when, you know, they they have they're in kind of survival mode for the first, you know, t- typically it's two, you know, 2 to 4 weeks. Um and every dog is so different, you know, genetic temperament, everything, past experience, all that kind of stuff. So some dogs settle in much faster. Some dogs take a really long time to, re- you know, to relax depending on where they've come from. And, and like I said, also their genetics. So, but a lot of t- it's really very common for people to notice um, new behaviors that the dog didn't do before. And it's not necessarily, you know, not even necessarily undesirable. Sometimes it's it's in a positive way uh, where the dog's sort of starting to sort of like blossom and come out of their shell a little bit and and then other times there's also you know they kind of hang back when they're not sure how things work and then once they start to get more comfortable then they might start testing boundaries or you know in a very natural predictable way but that's very common and it's a, um it's it's like it's a thing it's a phenomenon and something for people to appreciate that when they bring a dog home um, it takes some time to really to to get through that initial, you know, in some cases almost shock where the dog is like really literally in survival mode. And then and then they start kind of you start to get to see more of their complete personality as time goes on. And it's so it's important for, you know, to set um, kind of set the tone and and give the dog really positive structure right right out of the gates. It'll help them to adjust um you know start learning how to communicate with them as a dog um as you know right out of the gates 
working his his mind, making sure that he's also getting physical exercise. Uh, he's do, a runner. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. I know you are too. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a new running buddy. It's great. Yeah, that's great. And then I also the, the mental exercise too. So so keep that one in mind. I know that he sounds like he's a physical guy and you are a very active person. Um, but also keep in mind this aspect of, of engaging his brain. I don't know if you guys are going to do any sort of, um, you know, just basic training with him or even just. Absolutely. Yes. And then also like puzzles and games, like there's all this stuff, all these, um, there's a, a brand called um, Trixie, T-R-I-X-I-E, that has um, a few like sort of like puzzle slash game kind of things for dogs where they have to figure out this kind of gives them an opportunity to do like some fun problem solving like they have to mm-hmm. figure out basically how to get the treat um, but there's all these different ways that they're configured and they're, it's so fun I think I talked about working with dogs with this type of thing in last week's show in the first half of the show and it is so fun and they when you tap into his mind and really give him an opportunity to, to do work um in the context of obedience training where he's actually doing work for you and then in the context of games where you guys are just a team and it's just for fun and you're not trying to control him or, you know, if obedience, there's a little bit more of a leadership dynamic, which is mm-hmm. very also very healthy to have. But I think it's good to balance that with stuff that's like, hey, let's just do this for fun. Right. He definitely, he his intelligence, like, is shining to me, um, you know, for being as young as he is. Wherever he was prior to this, he came from Alabama, and whoever worked with him before, is what I should say, was great. Like, he listens super well, like, sits, you know, stay. Stay is not always one that he likes to, you know, he did, like I said, he likes to be with us, so you walk around the corner, he's like, hey, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but laying down, and he's crate-trained and leash-trained, so he's, he's come with some, you know, um, obedience already that we work mm-hmm. with every day and mm-hmm. I think what what I was very impressed with was the first day that I got him I had him sit when I or the, it was the next morning I had him sit when we fed him and put his bowl down and then he you know ate and I did that three times so the morning the evening and the next morning and the next evening when it was time to feed him and I went to the um, our bin he sat down right next to his bowl Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have to say anything anymore. It's that's his routine. So it's just amazing how, to me, how quickly he picked it up. Like something so small, um, which I just appreciate things like that. I, I love that he, he, because to me it showed me that he kind of appreciated. Like, hey, I'm gonna get fed and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna sit and instead of being like you know nose and everything, I'm just gonna sit and wait. So it's just little things like that that he's picked up very quickly and, um. Yeah, it's I like I said I can't say enough about him. <laughs> the one the one um thing that we're having no not difficulty with but he is the he and the cat are fine. We have a cat. Mm-hmm. She is about um 6 months old and the first couple of days definitely like we you know kept them apart. We didn't have not forced anything, which I think last night was the the moment where uh we were all on my our son's bed and she was up in the corner and I was, you know, we were all just hanging out and he jumped up on the bed and there was no like major, he just whines. He just wants to see her and she just kind of looks at him and they literally went nose to nose 
without any issues and just all of us, the whole family on the bed. And what, uh, what I'm, what we're all trying to figure out is like, he gets very excited to see her. Mm-hmm. And is there any advice that you can give me in, in terms of, um, because he gets so excited that it kind of, I think, scares her, mm-hmm. even though it's not negative. He's just kind of like a, a quiet whine and he's, his, you know, we call him the happy wagger because his tail wags so much. Mm-hmm. He's just wagging his tail and he's kind of looking at her like, oh, I just want to kind of cuddle with you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> any advice on how we make that maybe a, a smoother transition or uh, make it so that he's not so amped up that he scares her? Mm-hmm. Well, there's definitely a lot of factors to, you know, dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. And, um, lo- you know, a lot of it depends on the the cat and the cat's level of confidence around dogs. Um, some cats are like, I dare you. And, you know, they're like not, not going to run. I think it's especially, especially challenging when you have a cat who, uh, you know, is, feels fearful and then, you know, sees the dog and then takes off. And then that sort of excites the dog's, um, like chasing instinct and so it's kind of like oh game on you run I I'm going to chase you and it's not you know in some cases it's not that the dog is actually going to hurt the cat Um, and in some cases the dog actually could hurt the cat so there's some dogs who um, you know would be capable of certainly killing a cat and then there's other dogs that would just chase a cat but then not actually you know be inclined to do any damage and you know that's a if if somebody had a, um, a situation where they weren't sure if the dog was safe with cats then they would I would really encourage them to you know hire somebody in their area to come um, and and assess the dog and, and help work with them because of course uh, there's there's a lot higher higher stakes now he sounds clearly like he's he's not trying to you know hunt her and kill her he's just wanting to play and gets Mm -hmm. excited and um so you know communication is going to be really helpful with everything (laughs) um the tools that you do have the the training um the the words that he knows working with Mm -hmm. him on doing those things in the presence of the cat so any any way that you can reinforce him listening to you and and thinking you know yeah in the presence of what excites him or that what might stimulate instinct or impulse so we really want to strengthen the thought process okay so that's something that will help you then when you are working with him directly with the cat that you you've sort of established the ability to communicate with him even when he's excited and that's in in general that the challenge with that people have with their dogs like oh I can get the dog to do anything for me when I'm standing in my kitchen and I have a treat and there's nothing else going on but as soon as you walk outside or somebody comes over or you know something exciting or distracting happens in the environment it's like the dog then does not know how to listen because and has not been worked with in a way to kind of establish that so kind of building building that up as a strength in the dog where you maybe have somebody just walk in the room holding the cat and then you run the dog through some of his training paces okay. and, and get him just, uh, you know, and this is something that's, you know, we're looking at like over time, um, 
you know, giving giving it the time that it needs also. Um, and this is also just something good to do anyway to reinforce, again, like I said, that thought process in the presence of something that's exciting because it's not easy for him. He's a five-month-old dog, did you say? Yes. So he's is he's probably teething right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, when the teeth fall out, so does the brain, they say. That's a saying. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know... Uh, the ability to focus in the presence of distractions is not generally a um, strength of a pre... So he's pre-adolescent. Dogs hit adolescence at about six months. So he's going to go through teething. He's going to be done with his teething. You'll know that he's done with teething once those... um, The canines, the fangs, once those are fully down and he's got his adult adult, um, canines, then... He's done teething. And then he's, then you have an adolescent and it's a young, a young adolescent. How old are your boys? Eight and 10. Okay. So, um, so, you know, and then there's just, then you have an adolescent dog and sometimes, you know, just because of the hormones, they end up maybe getting a little more testy or maybe they're a little bit more reactive or inconsistent or whatever kind of things that intuitively go along with adolescence. It's same with people too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so engaging his brain around the cat, um, training in general. So more of that, more words, more communication. Um, and then especially the qualities of, of just good and no. Um, I like kind of a easy or gentle, so having him practice when you feel you're you're at that point, and it sounds like you had a really successful interaction last night where they actually did get to greet each other and and mm-hmm. and n- nothing crazy happened, you know. Let him know, like, oh, good, that's good, gentle, isn't that nice? Okay. You saying hi to your kitty, like you know, blah 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 blah. Good, but I would have a word for it. Whatever, it doesn't matter what the word is, but just, you know, pick one and have everybody be on the same page about it. So if it's gentle, as an example, or say hi, Mm -hmm. good say hi, oh, that's good say, and you say good with the word. So the same thing like with sit, good sit, good down, good wait, good come, good say hi, or good gentle, or whatever it is that you want to say. So you want to be specific when you praise, not just good boy, good boy, good boy, good boy, because who knows really what he's thinking at that time. Right, okay. And then and then if he if he gets a little too excited, you know, gets a little ampy, and maybe like approaches the cat too, uh, sort of rushes, you know, rushing over or something like that, which may feel overwhelming to the cat, then you can, you know, it's be good to like um, if you have him on leash, you can kind of give the leash just a little tug and tell him like, no, like, ah, uh-uh, easy okay. or, you know, gentle. And you just use a really authentic tone like you were you were conveying that. Hey, 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 easy. OK, you be gentle. And then he's like, OK, I'm sorry. And then he goes and he and he approaches a little bit, you know, easier. And then you can say, good, that's nice good gentle so you're coaching him something something you know how to do yep (laughs) so um so kind of talking him through it uh and just really focusing on the energy that you know 
it's the nonverbal. So dogs can learn hundreds and hundreds of words on average, but they're not verbal. That's not his language. So his language is everything else. Vocal, tone, energy, body language, you know, action, what you're actually doing. Um, you know, you can certainly let him know if he does something that's not cool. Like, hey, you know, knock that off, you know, whatever. Like, let him know that. And then let him know when he does something really well. And be really clear with that communication in the moments that those things happen. And he'll get it. So, again, we're not working with a dog who's dangerous with cats. Right. It's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> and it's not one that I would coach anyone over, you know, over the phone even probably. That's something that, you know, if it's a dog that's actually dangerous with cats and you got to have somebody, it's either not a good fit or, uh, you know, have somebody, he has to come in and actually work with you in your home. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm not worried about that at all with him. Mm-hmm. So just, co- you know, coaching him and be really intentional with your communication and your words because he will learn them if you're consistent. Okay. And that if you're praising him or correcting him for anything, it has to be in the moment that he's doing it. Right. Yes. That all makes wonderful sense. Yeah. And he's young, too. So you have, you know, immaturity as a factor, too. So it might take him a little bit of maturity to kind of learn how to handle himself as well. So be patient and... And then, you know, setting the cat up for success, too, so that she, it's a female cat? Yes. So that she, her interactions with him are such that she gains confidence after each one, you know, okay. as, as best you can. So just really setting them up for success. And and then, you know, I don't know, I don't know cats, but, um, you know, you can, like, let her know, like, what a good job she did, too, like, saying hi to him and isn't she so brave and... Um, you know, what a good kitty and, and, you know, give her that input as well. Like what a great job. You can't really, uh, I'd focus more on the positive communication with the cat, but, um, but with the dog, you can certainly do the, both the good and the no. Yep. Sounds, makes sense. And it's real natural. I mean, it's kind of, if you're really present to all of the nonverbal stuff as you are verbalizing, I think dogs pick up more than we give them credit for, but it's a matter of of us being really present and conscious to the nonverbal stuff. Because a lot of times we're just uh, hyperverbal and we're not even conscious about what we're saying, let alone, um, you know, how we're holding our bodies and the quality of energy that we're generating and our tone. Um, you know, and if he, and if and like um, an easy example would be like. Um, you know, if he if he if the dog did something that was um, that you wanted to let him know you didn't want him to do, like approach the cat too quickly or be too rough or whatever, mm-hmm. um, there's a difference between being like no versus you know no. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so common. Yeah, But it's like, you know, how you're saying it does not lining up with what you're trying to say. And so how you're saying it is what is being conveyed to the dog. And that's really confusing for animals. And people have a tendency to do it a lot. So really yeah. just being clear and clean with the emotion that you're that you're communicating through your words. Making sure they line up. Yeah, absolutely. Or like telling the dog no while you're petting him. 
Like, okay, <laughs> yes. you're saying no and praising him at the same time. So you don't want to say that's setting him up for failure. Confusing. And yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So they're great. Dogs are wonderful teachers about, um, you know, nonverbal communication and leadership dynamics in a really balanced way and, and all that good stuff. So. So did you, you know, did you have any other questions about him or is he just so perfect that that's, that's, no, you know, I, I'm telling you, I'm like, when we first, um, when you first contacted me about chatting and you were like, Oh, how about questions? And I was like, yeah, totally. I'll be able to come up with questions. But (laughs) seriously, I like, I, it's amazing. Just all of everything is just lining up so well. And, uh, I'm just so happy with him and happy with how he is adjusting and, uh, yeah, well, I, no, I, I can't. That The cat was the big thing, like, mm-hmm. to just have that little piece of the puzzle. And it's not even a, you know, a worry. It's more of a, like, how can yeah. we just make it so that when he walks in the door, he's not looking for her and such a, like, mm-hmm. and whining and being like, ah, I want to see mm-hmm. her, I want to see her. But Yeah, um, don't let him off leash. Don't let him, you know, part of it, too, is, like, just not letting him practice those behaviors. So if he... if he's like, oh, where's the cat? You know, that's, like, the first thing he thinks of when he walks yeah. in the house keep the leash on him and yep. you know make him wait at the door before he comes in have him come in ask him to do a couple you know sit and down and whatever or like go to his bed and wait there and wait until that that spike of energy you know before you get to the other side of that and he's calmed down mm-hmm. before you let him cruise the house if he's yep. okay. if he's going to be likely to like let's go find the cat kind of thing and then he, you know, finds her in the hallway and then chases her under the bed. It's like, oh, that's not that's not how we want that to go down because it's uh, having him practice undesirable behaviors, but then also not, you know, fun for the cat. And it's just going to reinforce for her that he's, you know, that she's not comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. And if it takes 20 minutes of having him on leash, you know, I mean, just really kind of tune into him and. Uh, gauge the energy that he comes in with and just wait until he's kind of back down to baseline before you let him um, have some freedom. Okay. So just setting him up for success that way, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great problem to have. You've got no, you know, that was really it, and he's a dream boy, and he's still young. Um, and it sounds like you guys are going to do some work with him, and I'm just really glad that you stuck with it and gave it another shot and... um it's just wonderful. I'm glad it worked out this way for you guys. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. We all are. We're very we're very happy. All right. Very happy. Well, you keep me posted. We're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, I'm going to answer some questions from listeners uh who have emailed me and actually one of them is another kind of challenging rescue situation. So, I'll do my best to give uh at least my perspective on kind of a tough situation when we come back from break. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'll be right back. You're a good dog. You're a good dog. You're a good dog. Yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country. 
But if you live in western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Missing Link Supplement, we cover the world of animals. This week, December 11th, it's a best Sunday with Dr. Nels Rasmussen in the studio. Dr. Nels can help with emotional, behavioral, or physical problems. He can test for allergies, drug, or supplement compatibility and dosages for you or your animal friend. Call us for a free remote session. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, Host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes. Host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> this is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all natural dog. Quality and integrity are must haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Remember that coupon code for Farm Dog Naturals is Dog Radio, one word. Enter it in as you're checking out. Just go to farmdognaturals.com. They have awesome products. We love them at home. Are never without them. And it'll save you 15% off your whole order and give you free shipping wherever you are in the country. Farmdognaturals.com. Also, big shout out to St. John Creamery Raw Goat's Milk for dogs and cats. They also make products for humans. I happen to enjoy their raw goat's milk for people. And I have a cup of it every day. And my body seems to really love it. And the dogs go crazy for it. And it's a really easy, easy way to boost the nutritional value of your dog's food, regardless of what you are already feeding your dog. You just pour a little bit of that over their food and they're going to love it. Lots of probiotics and enzymes and high quality protein and fat. And that is St. John Creamery. Now, they are only available to Western Washington, but you can get raw goat's milk anywhere in the country if you are not lucky enough to be close to St. John Creamery. stjohncreamery.com is their website. You can find out how to 
get milk directly through them through their pickup locations, or you can also find their products at fine independent pet stores around the region. So I've gotten, I love getting emails from listeners. So if you have a question or need, you know, I love hearing from you. Host at dogradioshow.com, or you can go to the uh, website, dogradioshow.com, and fill out a contact form. And um, I do get them, and I do read them, and I do respond. And I may even answer your question on air. So definitely reach out. I also offer uh, over the phone and also Skype um, coaching calls. So you can, if you need some guidance from a professional regarding your dog's uh, behavior or training challenges, uh, certainly get in touch for that as well. Host at dogradioshow.com. So I got an email from um, a listener who has a um, a dog that she got through a rescue organization and still has the dog on trial, but... I think feels pretty clear that it's not going to work out. Um, so I'm just going to read you the email that she sent, um, the original email, and just kind of give some thoughts on it. It's a tough situation, but, you know, there's plenty of people who have found themselves in tough, tough situations around dogs, and and it's hard. So this says, I recently took in a dog from a rescue on a trial basis, I told them my lifestyle. I trail run, backpack, hike. I uh, plan on traveling uh, through the state of Washington. They told me this dog would love hiking. They said she was shy and fearful of men. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, my border collie is the same way, so this is what I'm expecting. What I got was a dog so seriously abused that a walk down the street was scary. They knew my son would be a caregiver if I need to leave town, but mostly the dogs go with me because I us- usually my trips are outdoor-related. Not even a close match. When I told him it wasn't going to work out, I was told, give it time. No offer to come get her. Now that she is in my care, they are trying to counsel me and tell me it takes time to start walking down the street, baby steps. I can't afford rehab, which she needs I don't know what to do for this dog. She's very sweet. My home is becoming her safety bubble, but the outdoor world, strangers, and men are very terrifying for her. I'm just not sure I can commit to a long-term care like this. I'm just not qualified, nor can I afford rehabilitation sessions. So where does a person turn to in a situation like this? I feel like if I send her back, I'm only contributing to her insecurities. Any advice is welcome. So... I think it's it's tough because you are really torn between sort of feeling this compassion for the animal and wanting to take care of this animal and also really being sort of real about what you are capable of as an individual and what you can offer this dog. Um, you know, if it's an organization that is, you know, capable of uh, just, you know, having her back maybe in a foster home or something um, where she'll be in a home until a permanent home is found for her, then, then, you know, if you know that you're not going to be able to keep this dog, then I think you just have to do what you need to do and, and give the dog back if you can't keep her. I mean, she's on a trial basis and 
That's what trials are for. And the organization should support you in that also. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that's the case. I know they're encouraging you to kind of hang in there and give it time. And of course, they want it to work out because they want that dog to be sort of, um, you know, placed and, and in a home. And, and that's kind of their goal. But if it's not the right fit and she, her behaviors are more severe than what you were sort of told, then you've also got to kind of get real with that, too. Um so I guess it's kind of a question of, of the organization. And if you don't feel like, I guess if it was me, if it was a situation where the organization was kind of shady and you were thinking like, okay, this dog, I can't give this dog back to this organization, but maybe I can find another rescue group or somebody in my community who is up for this type of challenge and who can provide this dog with what she needs to really get through Um, the challenges that she has in the world, you know, her fear. And it is hard, and it does take time. I mean, they are right. It does take time. You have to give dogs the time that they need to get over whatever it is that they need to get over, Um, just like people. But um, you can't rush that. But at the same time, if you don't have it to give, then you've got to be real real about that too. So... um, it is a tough situation, and um, you know I've been emailing a little bit back and forth with this with this woman and kind of asking her some questions. Um, so one of the things that I asked is that why hasn't she, you know why haven't you given the dog back to the rescue? And then you said when I text her and she's um, and and let her know that you didn't see it working out again. You were told give it time. And you have until the 13th to make up your mind. Um, but now you're, you know, feeling like you're on the fence. Uh, and it's hard. It's emotional. Nobody wa- Everyone wants to, to help dogs and unfortunately you end up kind of in tough situations and maybe with a dog that's not the right fit for you. And it's a long-term relationship. So I think it's important that it's not just the right fit for you, but it's the right fit for the dog as well. You know, if the dog is super, super fearful of men... Um, I don't know if living with your son is maybe the best fit. I don't know. Or maybe it's an opportunity for her her to get over that. It's a tough one to answer, and I wish that I had a definitive uh, solution for you. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with this world of of bringing a dog into the home, and it doesn't always work out the way that you, you hope it would. But if you do need help, I definitely encourage you to reach out to a professional whoever that may be in your area. And if I can be of any assistance to you as well, you can get in touch with me too. The email is host at dogradioshow.com. So I have some other questions uh, from listeners, but we will get to those at another show. And uh, great to be here again. I have a really exciting interview coming up. Alexandra Horowitz, her new book, Being a Dog. If you've got an intellectual dog enthusiast in your life, this is a great Holiday gift, Alexander Horowitz's new book, Being a Dog, her first book uh, or other book is Inside of a Dog. Really, really, really fascinating, her work. Can't wait to talk with her. We'll be airing that show soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.